So we are going slowly and methodically through chapter 7, right? And chapter 7, we, we spoke about there's this other kind of a klipa. We haven't really discussed very much what it is, right? We did it a little bit. We didn't really, right? We just called it... We, we, motivation. Right, yeah. So it's called Klippas Noga. Noga means what? What does Noga mean again? Light. Right. Why is it called light? Why is the Klippa called? It lets light through. Does that mean you? Does that mean it allows us to see godliness? No. What would the analogy of something that lets light through but is nonetheless blocks? Right. A curtain. A curtain. You can tell there's light on the other side of a curtain, but you can't actually see what's on the other side of the curtain. So this Klippa, right, which enlivens a bunch of stuff, enlivens us. And then we started speaking about our actions, right? And everything that we do, say, or think has a motivation, right? So now, assuming that the thing we're talking, the thing under discussion here is not a sin, which is a category in of itself, and it's not a mitzvah, unless the motivation is for the service of Hashem, what is by default the motivation going to be? Why are we doing something? For me. For me, right? Sometimes it's quite overt, it's very selfish. Sometimes it's quite subtle, we don't even realize it. Sometimes it's convoluted how it comes back to you, but ultimately it's all in the service of ourselves. And so if our own souls, right, the animal soul, is klipas noga, then these actions, these words, and these thoughts are themselves an embodiment of the klipa, right? That's what the thing we did yesterday, yes? And we spoke about motivation means actual motivation, not the lies that we tell ourselves in our head. Um, Which is funny, because you know, I was reading... Um, what? Sometimes you're, you're training yourself to talk to yourself and tell yourself you're doing it for the sake of Hashem, and maybe you're not. Right, which is why, um, you know, there's a, there is, there is a, there is a long-standing dispute in the world of Hasidus about how one should approach the idea of being honest with yourself. Okay. So there, there are different views. On one extreme, you would have, say, Kotsk. And what would be the Kotsk view about being honest with yourself? You're not being honest. Even when you're being honest with yourself, that itself is a lie. There was a Kotsk or Hasid who was dying and he and he said, and his friend said, well, what, what are you thinking about as you He says, the last thing I'm thinking about is that if I say Shema Yisrael, then people are going to think about how pious I am, and that's going to make me feel very positive about myself, knowing that other people think very highly of me. And so this, his friend was very impressed, and he went to the, the, the Kutzker Rebbe, and he said, you know, when he was passing away, he had the honesty to realize that the thing that really motivates him to want to say Shema is that people should think good about him even after he passed away. And the Kutzker said, and he said that also just to impress you. <laughs> right, so like there's, there's like to the extreme, okay? Then there's a view that other Hasidic groups have, um, which is to, that it, it, it is to disregard whether it's sincere or whether it's honest or whether it's genuine because it's not about you. There's a higher spiritual truth, and so it's the higher spiritual truth. Um, to illustrate this, 
Um, the, the one time the 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 the, the, the Rebbe, I forget which one it was. One of the Sanzer Rebbe's, he uh, at a sh- at a shalshulis tish. So he's singing shalshulis, and there's, they're singing, and there's a whole thing, and he starts coughing, and it's one of these coughs which just won't go away. So his son makes him a cup of tea. He drinks him a cup of tea. He doesn't drink the tea, and his son says, "You should drink the tea." And he says, how can I drink the tea? Right now, we're in the world of Atsilos. How can you drink tea in Atsilos? And so his son tells him, Father, there's no coughing in Atsilos either. <laughs> in other words, like, we're, we're, we're somewhere else, and we're somewhere else, so what's going on here doesn't really matter. And so the fact that, like, like, the fact that, like, your motivations aren't pure and aren't sincere, like, who cares? Like, there's a truth of the matter. You have a soul, and on the love of your soul, it's true. And the love of your soul, you mean it. Right. Um, there's a custom that, that, that um, exists in many communities called the mitzvah tans. Have you ever heard of a mitzvah tans? Yeah. Have I explained this to you before? No. no. So mitzvah tans is um, that there's, you know, a, there's an idea that, uh, of dancing with the kala. Not, so there's the, you know, the chasen dances with the kala, but also like the rebbe dances with the kala, and like other people, like there's the idea of dancing with the kala. Now, which seems a little bit odd, right? Like, why is everyone dancing with the kala? So the kala represents the shechina, right? Yeah. And so in Kabbalah, there's an idea of dancing with the kala as you're dancing with the shechina. It's a very, very, very holy thing, okay? Um, at the Rebbe's, the Rebbe's wedding, when the, the Rebbe got married, there were two weddings. There was the wedding where the Rebbe was, but his parents couldn't make it to the wedding, so they had made a wedding in their house in um, Russia. And the Rebbe's father was a Kabbalist, so Kabbalah speaks about the importance of having mitzvah tans. So, uh, so, but there was no kala. So the Rebbe's mother took the place of the kala and they did a mitzvah dance. Really? Yep. They freed the guy right out of the Tzachana? No, no, the Rebbe's father, Rebbe Tzachana. Rebbe Levit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the idea was is that there's, there's a very holy thing. Now, so, now, but, now you think, now, and this is happens, like communities like are very, very, very super firm when it comes to Tzniyas, right? And the Rebbe's dancing with the 18-year-old girl. Now, they do it in a safe way. He doesn't actually touch her. Like, you hold two halves of a gartel or something. She doesn't really dance. She kind of just stands there and like, he, he does his thing or whatever. But like, you think like if you're so being crazy about sneeze in every other respect, like you're bringing the kala all to the men's section. It's like a little bit weird, right? The argument is the kala isn't the kala. The kala is the shechina. It's like you're, 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 you're disregarding the reality as you're experiencing because that's not the true thing. The true thing is the higher spiritual dimension. So you have these like two extreme kind of views in the Hasidic world, Okay. Um, and, and so, you know, when you get into something like, like maybe you should just like tell yourself that it's for the Shem's sake, even if you don't really feel it that way, because on some level you have an neshama, and on some level it's true that that's what your neshama wants. There's an argument to be made for that, but then there's an argument to be made that that's not your actual genuine motivation, like we discussed yesterday, because you, you know, it's not dictated by when it's actually in the service of Hashem. Okay. Um, does anyone know what Chabad's view on this issue is? Since it's teaching Tanya. What? Chabad does not do mitzvah tense. The reason we don't do mitzvah tense is because of this. There's sources in Kabbalah to do mitzvah. No, because the fact is, I'm saying more people end up being something else. That's what the Rebbe says not to do it. The Rebbe has a letter that he says people shouldn't do it because it's not so nice. I thought that was too holy. The connected reasons. It's a very holy thing. So if you're really there, you should do it. And if you're not really there, you shouldn't be pretending. Because if you're just pretending, it'll devolve into it. Those two sides the same coin. 
So, but the Chabad view also, we learned here about the idea of motivation, about the motivation. We're not going to say, oh, your neshama really means it, so it's all okay. The Chabad view, like in most things, is quite nuanced, which is basically each thing has to be evaluated on its own terms. So we're talking about like why you're doing what you're doing in terms of your motivation. So we have to be honest. What are your real motivations? Right? Does that mean there aren't certain areas where we say that like the, the fact that ultimately we have a neshama, ultimately everything comes from the holy place is also relevant? Sometimes that's relevant, sometimes this is relevant. So Chabad doesn't like come down clearly on one extreme or the other extreme. Um, which, which makes it for a big mess. When should you focus on being authentic and when should you just like part of the expression fake it till you make it? So we, 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 we break things apart. So we say when it comes to doing mitzvahs, we say you should always do the mitzvah because the mitzvah is that much. But on the other hand, if we're going to say something like a mitzvah fence, th- we're going to say like, well, I mean, unless you're really there holding that. Okay. So every single thing in life Becomes a becomes an issue like what what approach we should take. Okay. Now. Now that we've done that, we're going to be continuing, um, talking about the actual klipas no good side. So. Um, we're starting on the sentence um, where it says for in this world." Do you have the place? Okay. For in this world, called the world of... Yeah? No. no, you don't have the place? It's on, I would give you... I should start using the same copy that you guys have. Yeah, it would be easier. Right? 22? I, mean, I have 27. What? Okay. We're making a haklata. Next week, I would like that you make a copy for me so I have the same edition that you have. Uh-huh. So that... Should we insert all the vowels beforehand? I'll, I'll insert the vowels as I see fit. Okay. Okay. For in this world, called the world of action, most, indeed all of it, meaning oh. the klipas noga, is bad. It starts in heaven. What? It doesn't say for in this world. It says in this, in this world. world. The first paragraph, like middle line, yes. uh, three words. Well, there you go. In this world. There you go. You don't even have to... There's a four for six. Okay, in this world, mm-hmm. called the world of action, most indeed all of it, the Klippas Noga, is bad and only a little bit good as it, that has been intermingled with it. Okay. So now what we're seeing here is that Klippas Noga is a mixture of good and bad. Okay, so what I want to do is I want to explain this idea that it's a mixture of good and bad. Okay, so... For this, we have to differentiate between two things. We have to differentiate between holy and good. These are not the same thing. Now, those of you who have been in the class for a while should be able to answer the question, what does it mean that something is holy? Well, that's why it's holy, but what does it mean that it's holy? Right, that the unexplainableness of Hashem somehow resides in that thing. Right. Now, what allows that to happen is that that thing is bottled. That's what we said earlier. Okay. What does it mean that something is good? In contrast to holy. In contrast to Tanya? Yeah. It's good for you, for with your connection with Hashem, that it's benefited in you on a holy level. No. No. Does anyone know what it means to be good as opposed to? And not bad. I don't see how it's in this, so it'll be that. Okay. We can at least describe it. Okay. Well, the thing is, I want you to notice, we're saying the klipas noga is bad and has good mixed into it, right? 
but the klipas no goes klipa. So how much bittel, how much holiness is there in the klipa? No. But is there good there? So we have to conclude that good and holiness are not the same thing. So we need a, we need a concept of good that's distinct from the concept of holiness. Wait, is it good or does it have potential? <coughs> no, no, it's good. It's good. It's actually well, good. Well, I would just say good is and it's not bad, but it's not necessarily holy. I mean, you have the middle path, but here you don't. Yeah, but I mean, we, we, in other words, in the realm of, in the realm of klipa, as we discussed earlier, in the realm of klipa, there is no middle ground. Either it's klipa right. or it's holy. There's no right. middle ground there, right? Right. But then we're saying there's klipa comes in two flavors. There's klipa, which is no good in it, and there's klipa, which is a mixture of good and bad. So then, well, then if it's a mixture of good and bad, well, then good and bad are two aspects of klipa itself. They're two unholy things. Right. So then what, what is our definition of good and bad? We can't say bad is just synonymous with klipa. Bad is, not, bad is something else. And good is something else. So what are we going to call good and bad? So, no, so the, the, way, the, the best way, I think, to put it is like this. Okay. If we think about a person and we were to ask, okay, this is a good person. Not they did something good. Okay, everybody can do something good. Yeah. What makes somebody a good person? And I'm asking you without like being, getting in, without getting into religious things, just if you, like, that most people can agree that this is a good person. Okay, but, but like, that's gonna be a problem. Because if I ask you what's a bad person, well, that's not going anywhere. So I want to... What? Close. It's not all about them. It's not all about them. There's people... Like, it's not just that they help people. It's why do they help people. There's some people that their notion of living life means it's not all about me. Right? Like, 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 a person who... There's some people, like, they wake up in the morning and if, like, the only person they took care of is themselves, that's like a wasted day. So would that be a bad person? What? You're saying naturally like yeah, that. Yeah, that's a good person. A good person, right, has a sense that is really just not all, like, like, like. But we did say last class that everything that anyone, anyone really does is really all for their. I, w I will come back to that in a second, okay? And what's a bad person? Someone who's content waking yeah. up and not doing anything. Yeah, like, the, 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 like, the, like, if I'm going to do something for somebody else, what's in it for me? Like, I would never do something for you unless I'm going to get something out of it. Right, so then ultimately everyone is bad. What? Ultimately everyone is bad. No, 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 no. Yeah, because why do you do things for other okay, people? Okay, because okay. it makes... No, but that's what I'm saying. It makes people actually do you want me to? Do you want me to explain? Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. Like many areas in life, we have fewer words than we have concepts. So we keep using the same words to mean different things, okay? And that creates confusion. Okay, mm -hmm. so what I want to do is I want I want to talk about two notions of ourselves. Okay, there's one notion of ourself which is in a zero sum game with other people. Right, so the, the, it's like a seesaw. On the, there's you on one side and there's everybody else on the other side. So if everybody else is going down, then you're going up. Right. If you're going down, they're going up. Right. If this is your notion of yourself, right then caring for yourself automatically means that you have down to others. down of others. Right? Now, sometimes that's very black and white. Right? There's only one place on the lifeboat and the ship is sinking. Right? So if I take it, you can't take it, or vice versa. Right? Right. Sometimes, though, it's much more convoluted. 
um, in the sense that, like, it's not just a straight out competition, I win or you lose, but there's an underlying sense that if I'm, if I'm helping you, right, that helping you is, like, is, is a temporary thing ultimately for my long-term gain. I'll give you an example. Um, there are games, there are games that involve multiple players um, where players ha cannot win unless they coordinate with each other. But ultimately, there's only one winner in the game. Okay, so think, um, like for instance, Monopoly. Right? If you're going to play Monopoly, it is very hard to win at Monopoly if you're never going to buy, sell, or trade anything, right? Mm -hmm. right. And obviously, if you're buying and selling and trading, right, you have to take into account what's good for that person because you have no way of compelling them to accept the buy, sell, or trade, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to balance what's good for you with what's good for them, right? And you create a win-win situation. But why are you doing that? Because for your own winning. Because ultimately you think that if you fast forward enough in, through the game, you will end up in a situation where you're, you're in a stronger position than them and you will beat them. So I'm helping the person now, I'm raising them up now in order to put myself in a better situation to ultimately come out ahead later. Okay? That's not real life. What? That, there's plenty of things that like that in real life. Okay? And the way you tell this, the way you tell this, what Chassidus teaches, the way that you tell this is you look to see whether or not the other person's welfare to you is a means or an end. That's really scary. So, for, I'm going to explain. So let's say, I'm, let's say I want to start a business and I find a business partner, right? Now obviously, I'm going to care about my business partner because we're running a business together, right? Okay. There's a thing about business partnerships which hopefully distinguishes them from marriage, which is, what is the end of every business partnership? No, the end. At what point does it end? What? No. There's a fight. I mean, it doesn't have to be a fight. Hopefully it's not a fight. When, when, when one party realizes, or both parties realize that, is it not in their financial interests? To continue the partnership, right? No, it's everybody. Like this is the this is one of the reasons why like you shouldn't go into business with like a really close friend unless you're really mature, because the nature of a business partnership is that I am benefiting from you and you are benefiting from me, and this partnership lasts only as long as we both believe that is the case, and we know that there will come a point because of the nature of how our business and finance works that eventually it's going to be in one or both of our interests to go our own separate ways. Right, which is why like smart business people, they write contracts knowing that the business arrangement is going to be temporary. Temporary could be 20 years. Right? But they're set. Like, how, when we dissolve this, how will we dissolve this in a way that we're not going to have animosity towards each other? Okay? Which means, in the level of business partnership, ultimately, what I care about is, am I making money? And as long as the, my business partner or my customers, right, or whatever, my suppliers, I need to keep them happy in order for me to make money, then I'll do that. And I might do it willfully and joyously. But at the end of the day, if that's no longer helping my bottom line, that's no longer helping my financial things, then as a business person, right, I'm, I'm not going to do it. For instance, my wife uh, has a person that she goes to for, um, I think her shaitel. And she has a friend. I think it's her, I think it's, I think it's her shaitel, yeah. She goes for the shaitel. And, and my wife has a friend. And this friend is, um, how should I put this? Quite, an, quite a demanding person. 
And um, the 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 the, the lady has stopped answering this woman's phone calls and just won't take her as a client because it's just like the it's just not like whatever money she's making doesn't doesn't compensate for the emotional stress of having my this particular friend of my life as a client. So like she just won't right. And that that's business, right? And that doesn't mean you're evil in the sense of wicked, right? But this is what. But when Chassidus speaks about this idea that something is is bad or ra, it means that there's a sense of myself that my welfare excludes other people's welfare in the long run. Now, it could be in the short run. You know, I have to give a little to get a little. Okay. But in the but at the end of the day, if I'm caring for somebody else, is financial state, emotional state, whatever it is, the reason for that is because somehow that is to my advantage, and that notion of my advantage is mine to the exclusion of that. And so there could come a point in theory where they're expendable. Okay? And hopefully like we don't have that model when we get married. Hopefully our model of marriage is like we're not getting married to somebody because we're going to get something out of it, we're not going to get out of it, then we're going to get out of the marriage. Right? There's an idea that of there's some other idea. There's a different idea where your sense of self entails someone else's welfare. So the same way, if it's painful for me to be poor, it's painful for me that someone else is poor. If it's joyous for me that I'm healthy, then it's joyous for me that they're healthy. Now, yes, it's still about me, but the word me means something very different here, right? My notion of self encompasses somebody else and so now, if I'm feeding the sick, we can ask the question, am I feed, or sorry, feeding, feeding the poor? If I'm feeding the poor, am I feeding the poor because their hunger bothers me? Or am I feeding the poor because by feeding the poor, I can feel proud of myself? Or I have more social capital, people respect me more? Or, um, you know, or God will not punish me for being such a, a selfish person in my business dealings? In other words, in one of them, my care for them is as an end in and of itself. And the other one, my care for them is a means to something that really has nothing to do with that. And so when we speak about chassid as good and evil, good character traits, bad character traits, good character traits are where, you, where your sense of self incorporates others as an end. Just like taking care of myself is an end unto itself, taking care of them is an end unto itself. How does that work? Because my sense of self radiates as broader than just me. Right? So if you think of like a normal human being, when it comes to their close family, right, why do they care about their, their children, their spouse? Are they playing this game like, what am I going to get out of it? Because you can't have a good life knowing that they're... Right, right, because your sense of, your, your sense of well-being encompasses more than just what happens to this body, encompasses what happens to other people's bodies. But it's also coming from self. It is. So in the context, if we're looking at the question of bittle, or not bittel? Is there any bittel here? No, there's no bittel. But now should we just say that, that, that the fact that somebody else's hunger bothers me is the same as feeding people so that I can get, be famous? Those are equivalent? Those are not equivalent. Those are not the same thing at all. Right? Does this answer the question about the fake? No, that was a separate issue. Is it an in-between good and bad? No, there's no in-between good and bad. Um, but it gets very, very close. It's like the, 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 anal the analogy that's, that, that you could use for this is like the difference between yellow and red. Right? Or yellow, if you want to use, you want to use second, there's yellow and, 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 and um, green. Right? Like, 
This is clearly yellow, right? This is clearly green. Now I could make this more greenish and this more yellowish, right? And there comes a point at which you'll stop calling it yellow and call it green, right? But like there isn't like a line there, right? And so Chassidus speaks about this idea that there are things that what differentiates them is, in, is, in, is imperceptible. And so you can only really tell you one, which side you're on, but when you look for the line, you can't find it. And that's this issue here, is that this sense, it's all about me, has these two aspects. There's me as opposed to you, and there's a me which includes you. The me which includes you is good. The me which is opposed to you, and if you look for the hard line, that black line that's very clear, that differentiates it, will you find it? No. Now, you can tell when you're way on one side and way on the other, right? And that's what we mean when we say Klippas Noga has this mixture of good and evil. What we mean to say is that, our, our, is that a being who's all preoccupied with himself, on the one hand, that sense of self, it comes at the expense of others. And on the other hand, that's preoccupation with self, encompasses others. And it's all kind of mixed together. And yes, sometimes you go really far to one extreme and you can see it. Like, for instance, um, um, somebody, somebody uh, some, a child walking across the street and a car comes and someone jumps into the street, pushes the kid out of the way, and God forbid, is killed. Happens. Real life scenario. Why do they do that? Because they were bottled to Alakus, they were they were they were completely surrendered to godliness. No, why? Because they cared about the well-being of the child. Right, and that caring about the well-being of the child is quite deep in them, right? In fact, it was deeper than their caring about their own physical existence on some very instinctive level. Hence, they did something that is incredibly dangerous, proof being they died and they saved the child, right? Mm -hmm. So, and it would be foolish to say that that's the same as like as somebody who just like fires employees so they can make a few extra dollars on the margin, right? Like both of those people are doing things because of themselves, but that's radically different, right? Mm -hmm. But now as we go closer and closer to the middle, it becomes more of a mixture, more of a blend. It's harder to really differentiate those two things apart from each other, right? So you take a classic friendship, right? Classic friendship. On the one hand, like you're friends with this person because they make you feel good, right? On the other hand, you really actually do care about them, right? And it's not like those two things are like so easily differentiable, right? They kind of blend together. But I'm saying you do care about the person? I would say most times you have a genuine friend, you do care about them. Like, like think about it. So if you have a friend and your friend is going through a rough time, do you like stop friending them? You're no longer their friend because like... It's, no, it's, no. no, because you care. The fact that you don't say, well, you're not fun to be around anymore, so I'm leaving you, right? If that was the case, it's very clear you're just using them, right? right. But on the other hand, on the other hand, it could get to be a point where you're just like, I can't be your friend anymore. Because you're going to have too much on that? Right. So there's some element of one and some element of their kind of mixed together. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And this is the thing is that, this is the thing is that Klippas Noga, which we said is, it, it, it's not anti, right? The, the three impure Klippas are just anti. It's not anti, it's for me. But the problem is for me has two kinds of notions of me mixed together Okay? And so you run into the fact that there's the bad and there's the good. What's the bad of Klippas Noga? The bad of Klippas Noga is I'm doing things for me. And it might even benefit somebody else, but, but I'm not doing it because I genuinely care about them. I'm doing it because I care about me at the, right, in isolation and distinction from them. 
Okay, so I, this example I gave you previously about the person on the bus, right? You sit on the bus, someone comes on the bus, they're older, they're pregnant, whatever it is, and you get up. Okay, now, why did you get up? Did you, you, well, first off, we're going to make the argument you didn't give, get up because you're completely given over to God, right? Right. Okay, so why did you get so so you so whatever you're doing was in service of. How can you get it up? That's the right thing to do. Oh, maybe, maybe. Let's go through some examples. You got what's the right thing to do. Okay, but that means you have a conception of yourself as a person who does right thing. the right thing, and you want to live up to that self conception of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. By the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through a very a bunch of examples. So, okay. variations on a theme, um, and you know that you would feel really grossed out with yourself if you didn't live up to your own ideals you feel like a hypocrite and because of that you got up well is that the good part or the bad part of Klippus Melka that's kind of the bad part on the other hand the right thing to do you might mean mean something else entirely the right thing to do is that you have a sense that like their needs are just as important as your needs and that speaks to you in a deep level so you get up that's more on the good part right you could get up because of peer pressure, right? Everyone's staring at you. Of course, you could ask why they aren't getting up, but whatever, right? <laughs> That's clearly more on the bad side, right? Yeah. You could get up because, like, you want people to, like, give you a compliment afterwards. Sometimes that happens. That's really far on the bad, right? What if you're just getting up? Because so, you feel bad for the other person. So then that's probably more on the good side. But you're saying that's still because of you. Because... Be- well, I mean, you, right, you're, you're, right, in other words, because your sense of, your sense is that you're, that's what needs to be a good person. You're the kind of person that is uncomfortable with somebody else suffering, somebody else suffering unnecessarily. Huh. That's, that's still self-centered. It's still self, yes. How? I, I, I because, mean, I because, I because who's, who's motivating you to get up? Whose will is it? Whose desire is it? It's yours. Bad. It's your. It's the fact that it bothers you, and you don't like that, right? The same way. The same way when you're hungry, right? That bothers you, and you eat. When someone else is hungry, it bothers you, and you make that sure that they have the food. It, it's a good thing. We have to. We have to become comfortable saying good can be good without being holy. Like it's really important that we we can have the maturity to move between two very different. Dichotomies. There's good versus evil, and there's klipa versus holiness. It's very and good and holiness. Well, I mean, something which is holy means it's not about you at all. Is there any way you could get up in that scenario without it being for you? Yes. How? If you're, if you, the part of you which is bottled to Hashem is very dominant in your psyche and so there's a there's kind of a sense flowing through you that um that this is this is this is i'll use these words but this is probably not the best way to put it but that this is this is the will of god and this is what has to be and 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 it's just impossible otherwise and so you get up that would be that would be doing it out of little it's very hard even holy there's a sense of self there has to be. Who's doing the mitzvah? Who's learning? Who's who's there? So that's existence, not self. Yeah, this gets into the issue. This gets, this gets into the issue of this gets into the issue of what I said about that we have different things. Words. Right. Uh, one of the things which I don't want to spend time on right now is that when we speak about things in the godly soul and things like the godly soul desires and the godly soul love and the godly soul fears, which are all holy things, 
We have to be very careful that these are not, it's not just what you love is different, it's also the meaning of the word love. It's not just what you, you desire, but also the meaning of the word desire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're right. This gets the issue is that, is that when, you, when you say that an experience within me is a holy experience, it's, it's, it's something radically different. Good is something we have an intuitive sense of. The problem is as you, as you make the good less and less and more subtle, you start to realize that good very blends easily into evil because they're rooted in the same thing, which yeah. is Sorry. Right, right, a sense of, a sense of your own well-being. Mm -hmm. It's just that that splits in different directions. Holy is something else entirely. And sorry for bringing this up again, but if I'm telling myself that I'm trying to do it because it's the will of Hashem and not because I'm uncomfortable that another person is uncomfortable, that's not faking it. So, in, in, in the Chabad tradition, there's an idea of trying to get the animal soul to be persuaded by the godly soul, which would mean that your animal soul, when your animal soul is doing a mitzvah, why is it doing the mitzvah? Is it doing a mitzvah for holy reasons? No. But you want, though, you want, you want, you, it's, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you an analogy, okay? If you have a wagon driver drive with, and, and a horse, right? They're both going, but they clearly have different motivations. The wagon driver wants to make money, and the horse is going because, like, I don't know. What? He's being, he's being made to go, he'll get food in the end, right? It's not the mistake, right? And the wagon driver isn't sitting and working with the horse to get the horse to appreciate where he's coming from, right? Um, and in a similar way, that's how like parents and like toddlers are, right? The parent wants to do something and the toddler's doing it. Why? Because the parent is kind of in charge and the toddler's kind of just subservient and obedient and that's actually quite natural. If a toddler is like not hungry, not overtired, and the parent says, we're doing X. The toddler's like, okay, we're doing X. And they go for it because they're a toddler. They're, they don't really have a developed sense of their own being. Okay? Again, unless they're tired, hungry, or whatever, something else happens. Right? And then parents get used to that, right? So the parent comes, gets used to this idea that you just tell your children what's happening. And then they go and do it. Assume, and if they're not doing it, it's because they're tired or hungry, right? And then you start having preteens and teenagers. And then all of a sudden, that doesn't seem to work anymore. Why? Because they have a sense of self. And so now if you want your children to go along with you, what do you have to do? Well, you can try and impose it on them, or you can do something else, which is convince them, right? But convincing them finds, means finding a way of taking their interests. Finding, find, taking, you know, taking what's, what, where you're coming from and making it appealing and palatable to them, which does somewhat distort it and compromise it. So if the godly soul is driven to holy things because God is holy and blah, 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 and it comes to the animal soul and says, well, we should like be totally devoted to God because God is the only thing that's true. The animal soul says, what's for lunch? I don't like that. doesn't speak to me, right? But if the godly soul can kind of wrap it up in feelings of like significance and purpose and like the ultimate well-being is to be true to your real self, then those kinds of things would speak to the animal soul and it'd be convinced to really play along with the godly soul. And so what ends up happening in the life of anybody who's not a true tzaddik is that even when they're serving God, there's a blending of the motivations of the godly soul and animal soul. It's never going to be pure godly soul, with the exception of like, you know, when self-sacrifice, Mr. Snefers aroused or something like that. That usually what's going to happen is that you're going to, the godly soul is going to have to be diplomatic in making a case that is on the one hand true to the perspective of holiness, but on the other hand is appealing to the perspective of self. And that's the real trick.
It's, um, and if you succeed in doing that, you can build quite a stable, healthy, growing relationship with Hashem. And if you don't succeed in doing that, then your life's all over the place. Because then it's like you feel like sometimes you're doing stuff for God, and then you're just like, well, I want to take care of myself now. Okay? Uh, by the way, it's the same thing in marriage, right? In marriage, you don't, aren't going to want all the same things as your spouse by definition. So what do you do? You play a power game to try and, to, you, you, you like take turns who gets to decide? What you do is you have to find, both spouses have to find a way of taking what's important to them and making it relevant to the other person. And then somehow you create something new in that process. And that's the idea of the godly soul and the animal soul. And that, that's the whole thing. But getting back to just the klipa itself, the klipa itself, this klipa is no good, as a, is, is a being which cares about itself. Caring about yourself can very easily entail disregarding others and can very easily entail genuinely caring about others. It, it, it's both. It's a mixture. Now, it, it says here in the text that the clip in the world of action is mostly, indeed all of it, is bad and only a little bit of good has been intermingled with it. So we've spoken about the idea that there's different layers of reality, different worlds. There's the, the world of Asiya, there's the world of Yitzira. I don't care what, what, what the worlds actually are. But one thing that differentiates one world from another is the Klippas Noga, which is like this. The Klippas Noga, say, in, in, in the world of Bria, which is the highest world that has any Klippas Noga, is mostly good. It's mostly good. Now, what would that be like? Think about a world in which every person's notion of what's good for me means caring about other people. Just imagine that was like the most natural thing, intuitive thing. It would be an amazing world, right? Yeah. Like the idea that, well, well, of course, like the best thing is the best thing is when everybody has what they need and everybody's cared for. Like that's the most like, and you're you're motivated by that. Your sense of your well-being means everybody's well-being. That's a beautiful world, right? So if you want to go to the that's the the, the klipa in the world of Bria, that's what the klipa in the world of Bria is like. Only in very rare circumstances you're forced to say, okay, well, it's, it's, it, there's, not an, there's not enough room on lifeboats for everybody, so I guess, you know, we have a problem. It's a very ideal world, right? Now, what kind of system of government do they have in this world? Anyone know? In the world, the clip of the world of Bria, what kind of government do they have? They have communism. No, really. They're communists there. And it works. And it works. It really does work. No, it really, really does work. You know why? Because everybody's, their sense of my well-being is your well-being, right? And so like... It's almost natural. It's natural, right? Yeah, it's a wonderful place. I mean, it's not the world we live in, but it's a wonderful place. Okay, now, the other extreme, right, there's a bunch of gradations. The other extreme is the Klippas Nog of our world. The Klippas Nog of our world is? Mainly bad. To almost, to almost being entirely bad. Which means, what kind of system of governments and economics do thrive in this world? Monarchies, um, corruption bureaucracies, capitalism. And I don't mean to say that these things, therefore we should get rid of them. What I mean to say is that they're built on a certain nature, which is our sense of self is so heavily disposed to which side of this, me as opposed to everybody else. You would think nowadays the opposite. No. Yeah, because we don't believe in like people being better than others. See, everyone is equal. I think we tell. But we do. But we do. But we tell ourselves everything we want. Yep, we tell ourselves everything you want, right? <laughs> I can tell myself I'm a unicorn. It doesn't make it true. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. I, I, yeah. There was a, there was a year in my note where I said that a lot. So the Bacham at the end of the year made a shirt. Mm-hmm. But the front of says that says just because you say you're a unicorn, the back said doesn't make it true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it, it's not. It, no, I mean think th- 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 think about it like this, yeah. <laughs> so in or you know, I, I'll give you a little a good, good economics lesson to, to illustrate the point. Yeah, we Baruch Hashem live in a world where we have a lot of food. We have a lot of food. Uh, we have a lot of food. No, we have a lot of food. There's no problem. We have. There is more food in this world than there are people that need food. There is so much food in this world. Yeah. Yeah. We also have enough. What else do we have? We have so much of. We have so much um, clothing. We have so much shelter. We have more than we need. I mean, we have a distribution, but we have way more than we need. Yeah. Now, for the vast majority of human history, there was there was actually the opposite. There was more people than there was food. Most people through most of history were close to starving to death at some point in their life because there just wasn't enough food. Okay, there wasn't enough clothing. There wasn't enough stuff to go around. Right, like the idea that commodities were scarce was a real thing. By the way, this occasionally happens in places. Um, You've heard of Syria? You heard there was a civil war in Syria. You know why there was a civil war in Syria? No, there wasn't ever a civil war. (laughs) So it was quite. It was quite. It was quite a stable place up till recently. Really? Yeah. Wasn't it over what? Water. There was not enough water, so the economy collapsed. The economy collapsed. The government lost control. The civil war broke up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's the thing. Why do we have so much stuff? Why do we have so much plenty? Again, setting aside that it's not distributed. Right? There are definitely people that could use more food and use more shelter and use more clothing. It's a separate issue. But why do we have so much stuff now that we didn't have it before? There's more people making it. What? Because we're all looking after ourselves. Because we developed a system where, you, where we allow people to get rich, really, really rich, by making stuff. So which has a reward for doing here. It was just a reward. We also made it possible. Okay, like there was a time. There, there, there was a time, for instance, like I don't like in the Middle Ages. There was a time where like the idea that somebody like is a merchant was considered to be like a robber. Because like you didn't make the stuff. Like the person grow the wheat, you get the stuff. But all you did was you bought it and sold it. So why should you make any money, right? And then at some point people decided, well no 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 no. If you can make a lot of money by buying and selling to things, oh we should celebrate that. We should accept that. We should talk, we should invent able systems so you do that better. And then all of a sudden people trying to make a lot of money find all sorts of creative ways of producing new things and selling new things and distributing things. And what happens? There's a lot of stuff. Now that doesn't really guarantee that everybody gets what they need, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. But why does that system work in our world in terms of the production? Because it's operating on something fundamental in our psyches, which are all Klippus Noga, which is that we care okay. about ourselves. And which notion of self is the most dominant one? A self which prioritizes me. Okay. But in that way, it's good. I, I'm saying, I'm saying the good. system is more compatible I don't know, because we're all so bad, <laughs> therefore the system works better. But why wouldn't the system also be compatible if we were comprised of more good? Because then we'd be, want to create even more and more because we'd be... Yeah, but we wouldn't, need, we, wouldn't need the, we wouldn't need, we wouldn't need the we'd system of capital. So no, we wouldn't need the system of capital. You wouldn't need this idea of investors and returns and markets and, 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 and fame. and You wouldn't need any of that. A person would just feel like, oh, People need stuff, and I can help. 
So I should help. That's the most fulfilling thing I could do. And then that would be it. And people become very creative about that, very driven towards that. Right? You can find a little bit of that in units called families, right? Like in families, we don't, right? In families, we tend to operate in that kind of a way, hopefully. Because right? our sense of ourself entails, hopefully, our family members. Okay? So that's this issue, is that it's not like you're against. Right? It's, you're just, priority number one is me, and then there's a question, well, what does me mean? If me means everybody, well, that's really good. If me means me and nobody else, well, that's not so good. Could you extend your like, priority yes. to others? Yes, that's what happens as you get older, hopefully. Like, think about it, when you're an infant, Right, I'm saying you that... send it to people that aren't related to you? Yeah, sure. I mean, that's, that's, how we do, that's how we do things like create communities. That's how we create nations, right? We feel like somehow, like, 45 people were, were killed in Mayron, and it's a national tragedy. I don't know, most people's lives, nothing changed, right? So what's the national tragedy? Like, honestly, like, like there's, you know, how many Jews live in... How many Jews live in Eretz Israel now? It's like um, something close to seven million. Whoa! <laughs> so like six million, seven, something like that. So like it, it's a little bit weird, right? You like just just talk about Jews for a second, yeah? Seven million Jews, six million Jews, something like that in, in Eretz Israel. Forty-five <coughs> people die in one night. Ruchon's a horrible thing, and all of a sudden, it's a national. Like how? What? How does that work? And it works because, on some level, our sense of ourselves encompasses. And therefore, in some sense, it happened to us. You, you see the idea here? So, so yeah, there's this, there's this notion, which is why the Altebah earlier said that the idea that our souls are klipas noga means we have an, an intrinsic sense of compassion, we have an intrinsic sense of kindness. Not, that's not coming from the godly soul, right? Yeah. My father at one point was, in, uh, was an insurance agent, and he... I had to take an ethics course from the State Ethics Commission, because that's one of the things you have to do, apparently. And so the first, it was like an online course, where you have like a PowerPoint, and you have to like read it and answer questions and stuff. So the first slide was, um, why should you be ethical? Why should you be ethical in business as an insurance agent? And so the, the answer was, because by being ethical in business, you will have a better reputation and do more in business. Uh, now, which side of the Klippus Noga is that? The bad. That's the bad side. That's really bad. <laughs> right? But it's most, also whoever made the PowerPoint, it's coming almost from their good side, because that's how they're going to make the most ethical people. Well, the question is why they care about people being ethical. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Maybe they have a lot of pride in looking and saying, we have a well-ordered society that I was a part of the government in producing. Right? I don't know. Like, Good? You got the idea? Okay. So this is why you have to have... By the way, this is also why you, should, should you, te- you shouldn't teach any of this stuff to little children, by the way. You know what? what we've just learned, you should never teach to a child. Why? Because a child doesn't live in a reality where things are nuanced. A child lives in a world where things are absolute, right? So a child has to, uh, has to grow up with a sense that helping people is good and hurting people is bad. It's very simple. It's very straightforward, right? It's only when they start approaching teenage years, bar, bas, mitzvah, that these ideas start to become relevant. Right? If you tell a seven-year-old, you know, when you help somebody out, often you're just doing it so you get the compliment afterwards. And therefore, really, it's like the evil part of, 
Like, you're just going to mess them up. They're just going to become very cynical about everything. Okay? There's a kind of, there's a kind of, 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 of maturity, of complexity of your own spirit that has to be there in order for this idea to be relevant. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay. So, now, so independent of whether it's holy or not holy, there's this other idea of Klippus Noga itself has a good and bad side to it. Okay, now, um, let's talk about some things in Judaism. What if I do mitzvahs because I want to go to Gan Eden? I want to go to Gan Eden. So I'm not talking about the mitzvahs. Mitzvahs are always holy. I'm talking about my motivations here. What are my motivations? Are, are they holy or are they not holy? not holy? They're not holy. Now, are they good or are they bad? It's good. What? Nothing bad to want to go to Gan well, this gets into a very important question, which is, what do we mean by Ganeda? This is actually an issue. If Ganeda means the opportunity to be closer to Hashem in a way that's freed from the physical constraints of this world, then that would probably be good, right? Because that would put it in human terms, right? The reason I'm doing this is I want to be closer to you because I value our relationship. Well, okay, that, that's clearly a sense of self, which incorporates the other. On the other hand, my, what, you can say whatever you want. On the other hand, my question was your actual sense. On the other hand, my conception of Gan Eden is just a state of you know, pleasure and bliss as opposed to suffering, in which case... It's fear. No, fear is something else. In the case, that's bad. So there's this... There's, there, there's this there's this issue again that we—it's not so much the wording; it's what you mean by it, right? If a person says, "I want to do mitzvahs so that I can free myself of this experience of a limited physical existence in order to be closer to Hashem," okay, it, it is about me, but it's about me that va- that incorporates Hashem and values Hashem and values being close to Hashem, and so that's that's not a bad thing at all. It's good. It's the good side of caring about yourself. But if I just like, well, this world is full of pain and suffering, and there's an afterlife that's full of eternal bliss, and I'd rather be there. And if I have to bribe God to get myself there, I'm willing to do it. If that's more your attitude, well, then that's the bad side, right? You're using God as a pawn in like, your own kind of thing, right? What if, you, um, what if you don't sin because you don't want to suffer? Is that, the, is that the good or the bad? What? What? It's impossible. What? To not sin. Sure it's possible. What? Sure it's possible. It's possible to not sin ever? Yeah. Seriously? To yes. not suffer and no. occurring. What's that? Yes, it's possible. It's hard. Okay, I mean, you know. But I'm asking about motivations. What if your motivation is I don't want to do a various because I don't want to suffer? Is that, first off, is that holy or is that not holy? No, not holy. Okay, is it the good side of holiness? Is it the no, good side bad. of people or the bad side? Bad. Well, it depends again here what we mean by suffering. Is suffering mean like I don't want this? I don't want to. I don't want the suffering. The sense of a, of a life that is empty of, of of any connection to God. Well, then that I would say is probably the good side, right? I don't want the suffer to know that I brought the world down into such a negative state. Right. That's probably the good, right? But then there's the suffering is like, well, I don't want I don't want God to get have my make me lose my job, or I don't want to burn in the afterlife. Well, that's probably more on the bad side of it, right? That's why we say it's a mix, it's messy. 
Or things that, ha that happens to us are because of Averroes that we do? Not necessarily. And when we want to do an Averroes, what would we think about what happened? So it's like that. I mean, what do you say? The, the, it is true that if a person does an Avera and doesn't do tshuva, they will be punished. It is A, not necessarily true that they're going to be punished in this lifetime. B, it is not necessarily true that every suffering a person experiences is a punishment for sin. The most obvious proof to this is that children suffer and they are not responsible for their sins. Um, it's a bigger discussion. So. If the question is sinning, and yet, yes, you, yes, there is punishment, and w at some point the punishment will catch up with a person if they don't do tshuva. But it doesn't mean that just because a person's suffering, therefore they've done must have sinned. That's not necessarily the case. Okay. Um, so, so this 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 klipa is more mixed, right? And so now here's the thing: we're going to be honest, right? And we all love honesty, right? That's our favorite thing in life: is honesty. Um, we live in which world? The world of Asiya, where the klipas, noga, the sense of caring about ourselves is mostly bad. That means most of the time, ourselves included, when we say something like, I'm doing the mitzvah because I want to go to Gan Eden, or I'm doing the mitzvah because I don't, I'm not going to sing because I don't want to suffer, we're probably more referring to which side of that equation? The bad side. And it's going to take a lot of work and effort for it to be on the good side. Now, does it mean it's never on the good side? No. No. And obviously, a person can make choices in their life to be more towards on the good side. Okay. Good? We're getting a sense of that? Okay. Now, but this is not just true in us and in our motivation. This is also true in terms of, also true in terms of everything. Everything is going to have a good and a bad. I'm going to limit myself to just talking about good and bad as it has its psychological manifestations. That's what we're most familiar with. Um, but there are places where it elaborates good and bad in the klipa in more mystical terms um, also. Good? All right. This klipas noga is an intermediate category between the three completely unclean klipas and the category and order of holiness. Okay. So we've now learned a second point. First point we learned about klipas noga is that it has a mixture of? Okay. The second thing we've learned is that it is an intermediary. What is an intermediary? Does anyone know what an intermediary is? It goes between. Now, um, Right now, there is a eraser between this table and the smartphone. Right? Everyone sees it? Yeah. Is that an intermediary between the table and the smartphone? No. It's in between. It doesn't That's right. An intermediary is something that bridges a gap. It communicates, right? So a classic intermediary would be like a bridge spanning two sides of a river. It allows you to go from one side to the other. Or a translator. Right? I don't speak Chinese. The other person speaks Chinese. We can't communicate. Someone who speaks both English and Chinese is an intermediary. An intermediary stands in between in order to facilitate connection and communication. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So now, what role does the Klipas Noga play in the grand cosmological span of everything? You have holiness. It connects the Kedusha and the Klipas Noga. That's right. The, world, the world of Kedusha, it cannot talk to the world of the three impure Klipas. They have no common language. All right. They need a communicator. Right, and so what stands in between to, to bridge the gap? Okay, let me, let's put an example in, in ourselves. We have a godly soul. The godly soul is all about serving God for God's sake. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then we have the part of ourselves um, that doesn't care about God, wishes God would disappear, and we could just do whatever we want, and we control the universe. We all have that part of ourselves, too. 
those two parts of ourselves have any common language they can communicate? Yeah, Do they have a common language? No. But then there's a part of ourself, which we, work, we operate most of the time, we're like, you know, the thing I'm really into is my own personal well-being. Well, that can kind of hear some of the messages from the side of holiness, right? Mm -hmm. It could also hear the message, and that can serve as a kind of intermediary, right? a kind of a go-between. And so the thing to understand is, is that everything that is the three impure klipas is actually, as we said before, gets its life ultimately from the godliness, right? God has to give life to everything. Well, it doesn't, God does not directly interact with the three impure klipas. He has a go-between. What's that go-between? The klipas no go. Okay? God doesn't directly talk to the people. That's right. That's right. He finds well, them so abominable. That's right. A part of that backhandedness is that he uses an intermediary. It's like some people you Crazy. so can't stand, you won't even talk to them. Yeah. Right? You send someone else to talk uh, to them. It's, well, no. I don't know. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no as in like you're saying that I'm wrong, which is okay. You're allowed to say that I'm wrong. No, no, you're right. <laughs> or no as if you're finding the idea difficult to deal with. Okay. Okay. By the way, this leads to an important consequence. The Altavis says later on, what if you can somehow transform all the Klippus Noga into holiness? What are the con Then what? Then there's no communication between the holiness and the three impure Klippus, right? And then all of a sudden, the Klippus Noga is dropped. That's right. And then Mashiach comes. That is Mashiach's coming. That is what Mashiach's coming means. <laughs> like that is, and the Altavis defines what it means that Mashiach comes. That's that. So then all of the backhandedness is through the Klippas Noga. That's right, all going through the Klippas Noga. So the Klippas Noga is, is the interesting thing in the universe, right? Holiness is like holiness. Holiness is great, but like, you know, holiness was always around before. The tricky thing is the Klippas Noga. That's where all the interesting stuff happens. Um, you, you, you've heard of this concept called lost in translation? Okay. Where's the translating happening? It's not in the speaker. It's not in their intended audience. The translator is the one who's doing all, creating all the problems, right? So who's the translator in this? Is the Klippas Noga. So where are all the problems coming from? Klippas Noga. The outcome of that, the, the symptom of that are the three impure Klippas. In other words, like this. What? So in other words, like this. In other words, like this. There's a funny story. Does anybody here know how to speak German? What? Okay, so you know what the word darf means in German? What does it mean? Needs. No, that's Yiddish. What does it mean in German? Darf. It also has, it has more of the meaning of may. Darfman means more, more, is one of the... What? It could also be that not all your dialects of German are the same, but there is a dialect of German where darf means more like may than must. Okay. So this creates an interesting, you can see how this is going to be quite funny, because if you have a Yiddish speaker who thinks they speak this particular dialect of German because they're similar enough, and they use the word darf, and the other... Well, you could be like, say there was a shlucha in a Chabad house who had a student over and brought a plate of cookies and the child, and the child asked, may I have a cookie? Yeah? 
which I don't speak enough to. And she heard, do I have to eat a cookie? And she said, no, you don't have to eat a cookie. And he heard, well, I'm not allowed to eat a cookie, which he thought was quite weird. <laughs> then why did you bring the cookies? And this went on for a while until she realized that. Is there a story? Yes. Her darf and his darf were not the same darf. Right? Okay, right? So the translating creates all the problems, right? Right. Okay. Wait, if Kripa's Noga gives, is the only way to communicate between holiness and the other Kripas? That's right. And so then without them, the other Kripas like, have no source of life and so then Mashiach comes? That is Mashiach's coming. Yeah. Is that the only way? That's the only way. So then how can we be like sitting here thinking, Mashiach's coming today, when we think about ourselves, and we know that we have loads of Kripa Noga? Like we just went through all the examples of all people. Mm. You're right. I think we should just give up now. No, we should give up. I'm just <laughs> to, abandon, to abandon the effort. You just, so you just, you just hope that it's okay. going to give Okay. I'm going to give you a, first an analogy, okay? Um, this is a little bit of a disgusting analogy, but it illustrates the point quite nicely, okay? There is something called an infection. Infection? infection. Infections. It's a, a, specifically here I'm referring to a bacterial infection. Oh, and by like doing one good thing, you can get started doing a really good thing. Wait, wait, wait. wait. No, <laughs> no, before that, before that, before that. That's true, but I want, I want you to understand this. I'm using an analogy. There's something called the bacterial infections. Now, bacterial infections often produce um, this really gross stuff we call pus. I don't know if you're familiar with this. It's really disgusting. Okay, now, here's the question. If you have, God forbid, a bacterial infection and there's pus like breaking through the surface of your skin. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. completely gross and disgusting, right? Yeah, it's yes. gross. Yes, okay. I, do, I actually have a hard time getting grossed out about things. Um, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just don't care that I get grossed out about things. I don't know. What? You have the ability to be a What? You have the ability to be a <laughs> no, because I get I get disturbed by things, which okay, is different. That's the same. That's the same. That's no, the same. like the idea that there's a person's life depends on whether I cut the right or wrong way. That I find like very so overwhelming. Is that good or bad? I just think that like, holding somebody's life in your hand is like a very serious thing, and I don't know if I'm comfortable doing it. It's one of the reasons why I'm glad I'm not halachic authority either. I don't want to tell people like things about they have to do something a certain way, and maybe I was wrong and I ruined their life. Like that's a lot of responsibility. So I get very disturbed by that idea. And like, anyway, so if the pus comes out, it's all disgusting, it's all gross, you see it, it's ugh, right, right, okay. You take, go to the doctor, and the doctor's like, well, that's great, that's wonderful. Why? Because your body's getting rid of it. Your body's getting rid of it. The problem is when the pus goes the other direction. If the pus is going down into your skin, that can kill you, God forbid. Right? So what do we see from this is that we have to differentiate between a problem right, versus the way we actually experience it, right? So now, if there's a, so much, we're experiencing a lot of klipa, right? Does that mean that the klipa is like an overwhelming force and it's like, it's hopeless and, or it could just be, or it could just be like, an ongoing issue. An ongoing issue, or it could be actually that the klipa's, we're, we're, we're realizing the klipa because we're like the, the, like the pus is just bracing the surface of the skin and everything's about to be cleaned up. And, and it's we're like helping it. Right. And by learning, you can say you're helping. Right. So, so that's why we have to be careful of not just saying, oh, I experienced something, therefore X. No, here you have a thing where, you know, an infection, you don't see anything wrong, it doesn't even hurt that much, could be actually life-threatening. 
and then the one that's all really gross and disgusting and, and is actually perfectly fine because that's part of the healing process, right? And so one of the things that, that, that um, it says that, that as the klipas noga becomes um, more and more removed from the world and more refined, you, it, 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 we start noticing it more. And so we start thinking about, we start seeing it in more subtle ways. And so it seems more pervasive than it, than it, really, than it really actually is. Um, and then you add to that that one mitzvah can actually affect a tremendous amount of klipas noga, and then you put the whole thing together, and Mashiach can come today. Okay. All right. So, number one, we've learned that klipas noga, it's complicated because it, it, kind of, it kind of leans in two opposite directions. And we've learned another thing, that it actually ha- serves this intermediary role, right? It's receptive to holiness, right? And it's also able to connect with the three impure klipas, right? Uh, okay. So the way Hashem makes um, gimel klipas plans happen is by talking to the klipas naga. That's right. That's exactly right. And uh, um, all the bad that he does on purpose. Oh, he knows full well what's going to happen. He's not silly. He's not stupid. They, like there's the lost in translation can be intentional. In other words, um, for instance, you can say something to somebody, right, in a language, knowing full well that they're going to misinterpret what you said. But then you can go back and say, well, I didn't actually mean that. People do this all the time, right? Okay. Is it similar to idea? I mean, if, for our benefit, if, 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 if for our benefit or not, it's a separate issue. Um, this is similar but not identical to the notion of a trick question where the question as phrase makes the listener think that one thing is being asked, right? But then once the answer is given, it's clear that something else was being asked, right? Okay, so, yeah. You, so Klippas Noga has this role, okay? So what we should now think about is like this, that Klippas Noga is, that's where, that's where, that's where all the money's made. That's where, that's, that's where all the stakes are. Like, holiness is holiness, right? And the things that are, the three impure klipas, they're irredeemable, fine. The interesting thing is the klipas noga because that can end up just leaching all of the vitality of godliness and strengthening the three impure klipas, right? Or conversely, right, it could not do that, right? And so that's the battleground. Now remember we said that the, 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 the animal soul of a Jew is which kind of klipa? What? Klipas noga. And a Jew has inside of them a godly soul which is? Holy, which means, what is the most interesting thing in all of the cosmos? Oh, he's Jewish. A, a, a Jewish living person, not a Jew in heaven, right? Because what do you have? Now you have where all the stakes are, right? You can have, right, things can go really bad one way, really good the other way, right? So, like, God is really invested in what happens in the Jew, and also demonic forces of the three emperor Klippas are also really invested. Everything is very interested in the Jew. Everything is very interested in the Jew. That's kind of what follows from what we've just learned, right? So, you know, so much for my wanting to avoid responsibility in life, right? <laughs> this is why the Rambam says that you should think and realize that everything you do is like the entire universe is balanced on a scale and your one thing is going to shift the balance one way or the other. Because we are beings of Klippas Noga, housing beings of holiness with the capacity of giving everything over to the three impure Klippas. It's, it's a lot of responsibility being a Jew. But at the same time, you know that everyone's sharing their responsibility. So. 
though. Yeah, but later on the Altar says you shouldn't think about that. You should just take assume that you're the only one. Right, but if you realize that if you are the only one, Hashem would have still created the whole world just for you, then that means effectively it is like you're the only one. Okay. If if the only way the three impure klipas can get anything is from the klipa snoga, then the three impure klipas have a very vested interest oh, in the in the, the clipus no and the holiness knows that the only way that it's going to get corrupted and turned into the three impure clipus is the clipus it also has a vested interest in what's going on with the clipus noga so everybody's interested in the clipus noga right now what's a being that's a being of clipus noga who has direct contact with both is a jew not our souls our godly souls in heaven are like just holy right yeah, but a jew being a being clipus noga with a godly soul in it is the most like interesting kind of an entity and therefore everyone is vested in it. Um, you, you know there's people that like make money by like scamming other people? Uh-huh. Okay. Now, if, you're, if you want to, you shouldn't be this person, but if you want to scam other people, one of the things that you need to do, and it's really important that you figure out how to do this, is you need to figure out um, who to scam. Right? How do you, like, what are you looking for if you want to figure out who to scam? Someone, so, someone who, who is someone has the right kind of a vulnerability you can exploit, right? So you need to be vulnerable to, to you know, but that's not enough. Because just because they're vulnerable does not, does not make them a good mark. What else do they need? Then you have something that you want. It makes it worth your while. Right? You need two things, right? There's plenty of gullible people in the world, but they can't offer you very much, so why would you try to spend your time trying to scam them? Right? And then there are people, like, they have plenty of stuff that you would want, but they're not very gullible, not very vulnerable, so, like, you're wasting your time, right? You see how that works? Okay. The Yetzirah is, is a con artist. It is a con artist. Now, a con artist only tries to con which kind of people? People who are vulnerable and... Have something to give. So who does the Yetzirah spend his time with? <laughs> well, Jews, because they have godly souls, so something something useful. And which kind of Jews? The dumb Jews. The weak, weak what? Jews. The holier, no, the ones that have more, no, the weaker ones. Jews whose lives are more tend towards the bad side of the Klippus Noga. Because that makes them vulnerable to the event. Right? Once your sense of self is very much preoccupied with you as opposed to others, you're very vulnerable to the. the but the more holiness you have, the better it is for the. But there's a trade off there. There's a trade off there. Because if the person has more holiness and they're living a life which is very much devoted to the service of Hashem, they're not very vulnerable to the advances of the Sahara. Is that why Avera Severa? That's why Avera Severa. That's exactly why. That's why one sin leads to another. Yep. Because automatically, if you're somebody who's a little bit, or like you already have that lead, or you're already failing, it just eats. Right, that's, that's like that how con artists work by not coming in like major vulnerabilities. A little vulnerability that makes you more vulnerable to something else until eventually, like all of a sudden, you've given away your house to some person you've never met before. Right. Then, what about the whole place of like that means that that means that you're that means no that doesn't doesn't no no it doesn't mean it's a greater battle it means you it means you no it what it means is I'll give you an example what it means if you're re 
really, really wealthy, you probably should invest in some kind of a security system, right? Mm -hmm. If you're not that wealthy, you probably don't need to invest in that much of a security system. Why? Yeah. You're not much of a target. Mm -hmm. So now, that means if you're if your soul is on a very lofty level, you have to be extra, extra, extra careful that your service of Hashem is really, really up sure. to par. Because what's because because since you're targeted by the Eitzar as a function of what you have to offer versus how vulnerable you are, a small vulnerability but a very rich target, the scam artist is going to come, right? So. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean that person, it means that that standard of being on the side of good or even on needing to be going beyond good and being holy goes much greater the, the more holiness is in your life. Okay? Um, okay? Just to put a very, very, very simple example, okay? If you have like a person whose whole life is devoted to really serving Hashem, and they take a halachic leniency for convenience sake. Does that make them vulnerable to the Yitzhahara? And the answer is yes. Yeah, because all of a sudden they're having that, that, like, that little something that you can right. catch on to. Right. On the other hand, if you've got a person who, that's not like, they're, they're just like living life, and you know, they do Torah and mitzvahs, and like, you know, and they take a halachic leniency for convenience, like that doesn't create a huge problem. It's like if you leave your door open and there's like not much to steal, like it's very unlikely anybody's gonna try and break in. Right? If you leave a if you leave a bank vault wide open to the public, like the money's gonna get taken. So that's what it means. It doesn't necessarily mean if you if you're high level necessarily the battle is stronger. It might be, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. It means what what's what's not considered a vulnerability for, for a person who has less holiness, right? And if you if you kind of think about it, this is meaning what clip is like a it's like a shell. So you can think of it as like it can also be a protective shell. Klippus no good be seen as a protective shell. After all, if I care about my well-being and I understand my well-being is in being a genuine servant of God, that really does protect the godliness of my soul, protects holiness, right? Doesn't Klippa doesn't have to be a negative thing. There's my Marm and Chassidus that speak about that Klippus no good can be a protective shell. But, but now you have to be very careful. If you're protecting something, the more sensitive the thing is, the more you're careful in how you protect it, right? You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't take... Um, um, you, you, you wouldn't take something that is very fragile and just shove it in a duffel bag, right? You're going to break it. Right? So this notion of klipas nogi, it, it's, it's complicated in, these, in, in two respects. One respect, it itself is, it has these conflicting tendencies. And number two, it plays this role that allows the side of holiness to get shunted off to the side of irredeemable evil. It serves as that intermediary. Okay? There is a third thing about Klippus Noga, which we will speak about next week, which is that sometimes Klippus Noga becomes transformed and actually becomes part of one of the other two categories. We should have another question. What? Um, I, was, I have a question about, so we talked about last class, that the older you are, the more people you have, because by doing Klippus things, Noga. more Klippus Noga you yeah. have. Because by doing things for your body, you're like building Kupa Snoga. So, does it matter what percentage of the Kupa Snoga is bad and what percentage is good? 100%. Or does it matter the amount? So, like if you have a kid and they're like 70% Kupa, I mean 70% bad Kupa Snoga and 30% good Kupa Snoga, and then you have like an adult and they're 70% 
Yes, there's a difference. Because which side of the Klippa Noga is receptive to holiness? The good side or the bad side? Good side. Which side is receptive to the three impure Klippas? The bad side. So there, it really does make a difference which version of the, which side of the Klippa Noga you more tend to. 100% makes a difference. No, I mean, like, the, there's a bigger volume of the... I meant to do the same percentage of good and the same percentage of bad. And then there's a higher volume, the love of the good, and a higher volume of the bad in each case. It's the same ratio. Because you've got more of the people's if, if you talk about a regular person who's a decent person growing up, they end up with more klipa as they get older, but the good, the, 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 the good ratio towards the good is building. That's usually what happens. Oh, it's not Yeah, I mean, think about a child, right? A child's notion of themselves is really localized to me, my body, at this moment, right? Whereas, like, Bubbies and Zadies tend to have a bit of broader sense of, like, what is good and, you know, what, is, what, you know, what's, 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 what does it mean to my personal welfare? It's a little bit broader, right? So there tends to be, overall, again, there are exceptions, but overall the trend tends to be the klipa gets bigger, but all in all, there's a slight shift towards the good. Um, but let's say there was no shift, like it stayed the same. Is there, is the, like the younger child with the same ratio, like not better, but like are they more susceptible to like Yitzhar? Well, children are not susceptible to Yitzhar because they don't really have a godly soul fully yet. Okay. Their godly soul is not fully manifesting, so they're not, the Yitzhar is, is not nearly as interested. Um, this is, this is, a, this is, the, the Gemara says that there's something very precious to Hashem about the mitzvahs of the little children because it's so free of klipa. So there is that idea. There's other ideas as well, right? Um, but there's, there's a phenomenon which occurs. Um, again, it doesn't occur to everybody, but it kind of occurs to, I know this both by converts, many, many converts have told me this, and also by mitzvah Baham, which is that once the convert goes through conversion, once the bar mitzvah actually becomes bar mitzvah, things which seemed really, really straightforward and easy all of a sudden become difficult. Um, like one, someone told me he was a convert, he told me about this idea that like he never understood like why people talk in shul. It just seemed like the most ridiculous thing. It's shul. Like why would you talk in shul? And um, then he, you know, went to the mikveh, and then like. A week or two later on Shabbos, he realized he's talking in Shul. He's like, what happened? <laughs> he's like, welcome to the Eitzah. <laughs> now you became interesting. <laughs> um, no, Bar Mitzvah Bacham, it's like, you know, Bar Mitzvah Bacham is like two months before, in Chabad, two months before, they put on tefillin, they go to mikvah and everything. Yeah. And then like for two months, they never miss mikvah. And then a week after Bar Mitzvah, they wake up late and miss mikvah or something like that. Or it's like, they, 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 they slept in Kriyashma. It's like, what happened? Like, you've been doing fine up until now. It's like, up until now, there wasn't as much, the Yitzhah didn't have much of an interest because the godly soul wasn't fully manifest yet, and so it was less, there was less offerings. Now, it doesn't mean every single person has that experience. No, but it, 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 it is, a, is a common enough phenomenon. What? You had that? So, yeah, it's the Yetzirah. Yetzirah is not just is not just our natural tendencies. There's an active interest in like dragging the person away from God. That's right. All right. Have a wonderful Shabbos. I will see you all on Sunday.